0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, VineyardWheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor Chris Figaretti for this week's message. well hello and welcome to the vineyard everyone i am so excited you're here we're kicking off a brand new sermon series this week called the story of jesus it's it's an adventure through the book of mark and we're going to spend pretty much the next year studying the book of mark uh and and more importantly traveling with Jesus as he goes through his ministry. I think it's so important in this day and age that we figure out who Jesus really is. Not who we think he is or what we read on Google, but who he really is. And I love the book of Mark because it is so fast-paced and it is so action-oriented. It's truly going to be an adventure. And whether you're a seeker who's trying to figure out what you think about Jesus which is if that is the case, this is the perfect series for you to be a part of, because you don't want to see all the religious stuff, you just want to see Jesus, and that's what we're going to do. and if you're a longtime Christian, again, this is all about Jesus, and I believe from time to time we need to come back and just just study him because because what we do is we make our own homemade custom Jesus, right? And we put, we, we grab pieces of, of things that we've read on the internet that we heard from other people and, and we form Jesus in our own image. And, and I'm telling you, that Jesus is not powerful. He is not transformative. He's not the one we're supposed to be following. We're supposed to be following the real Jesus. And so we're going to spend some time getting to know him, traveling with him and answering this question, who is your Jesus. And I think God is going to reveal some pretty neat and amazing things for us along the way. You know, about t- two years ago, I guess a year and a half ago, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, my son Deuce and I and a handful of friends went on a motorcycle adventure out west in the Rocky Mountains. Now, what we did is we got our, our, all our gear planned out and packed up on the motorcycles. We loaded them onto a trailer, had somebody take them out to Salt Lake City, Utah. We flew into Salt Lake City, Utah and got on our motorcycles and rode them up for two and a half weeks up through the Rocky Mountains. We went up through Utah, into Idaho, over into Wyoming, Jackson Hole, the Grand Tetons, up into Yellowstone, camping the whole way. We went up into Glacier National Park up in northern Montana and then into Canada and then up to Banff. Uh, in Alberta, Canada, and ja- and um, and in British Columbia, and then over into western the Western Rockies in British Columbia, and traveled around for two and a half weeks on a grand adventure. I love adventures, and as we go through this series, it is going to be a grand adventure, and I want you to think about it that way, okay? And now, there's two things that you need if you're going to go on a grand adventure, and the first is this: you need friends. You don't wanna go on an adventure alone. When we went, we had a handful of friends that we did this with, made memories with, grew with, and got to know. And, and it makes all the difference to have friends for the journey. And that's true with your faith journey as well. you got to have friends. And so some of you are in church-at-home groups, and that's awesome. Continue to meet together and, and do that. But this is also an opportunity maybe to grab one or two new friends and bring them along. Because people who don't know Jesus yet find Jesus Interesting. Find Jesus captivating. So bring him along, or bring them along on the journey as well. And I challenge you to find some people to bring with you. The second thing you need on a great adventure is—and you're not—you're not, never guessing a million years what it is, but I'm going to tell you. So don't worry. It's—it's uh, it's a journal, a travel journal. Now, a travel journal is just—I I like these. This is uh, this is called a uh, moleskin journal, and it's really thin and it's about five inches by nine inches. You can get them on Amazon, Uh, but these are awesome because they fit in your back pocket. You can throw it in your tank bag, whatever, you know, these go with you. They're awesome to write in. Doesn't have to be this kind. You can pick up a a notebook at the dollar store if you want, and that's absolutely fine too. And what we're going to do is we're going to, um, if we're gonna send out stickers, we have about four stickers planned for this series that stops along the way to help you remember. You know, when you travel, when I, when I was on that motorcycle trip, we get a sticker every place we went, you know, and so you can stick your sticker on the outside of your journal and, uh, and it's ready to go and uh, it's going to be really cool. Now, so if you're like, well, how do I get a sticker? Well, here's how you get a sticker. We're going to... Uh, Next week, we'll be sending out our year-end giving statements. And so if you gave to the church over the last year, you're going to get one of these year-end giving statements for your taxes. We do this every year. We're going to put a sticker in there for you. And so you'll get a sticker that way. If you haven't given to the church over the last year, that's fine. We want you to have one too. Um, You can let us know on your Connect card or you can stop by the church and pick them up. And those will be uh, available next week sometime. So, yeah, and then stick it on your journal. And then the the purpose of the journal is so that you remember what you're seeing and and learning along the way. You know, when you're on a trip, I mean, I, I just remember, you know, how many times... The conversation was i've never seen anything like that before. Have you ever seen anything so beautiful and And God it was like you know as we were on that motorcycle adventure, god it felt like God was showing us things that were just I never want to forget that or co- having conversations or meeting people along the way, and the same thing is is going to happen on this trip through through mark on this this adventure that we 're going to be on and so you're going to meet some people that you've maybe not met before or get to know them better. Uh, God's going to show you some things. You're going to make some memories. And uh, you don't want to forget those. You want to write those down. And we're going to treat this as a, as a grand adventure. Now, this week, we are preparing for our trip, okay? So we're not jumping in on the road. like When, we, when I did that motorcycle trip, what we did was, before we went anywhere... We got all our gear and our bags and everything and we laid it all out in the living room and we had our maps and we had our camera and we had a sleeping bag and tent and all of that. And that's what we're doing this week. We we get the big map out and we look at the big picture so we know where we're going and we get our bearings. And that's what we're gonna do this week. So, are you ready? All right, so the first question that I want to answer as we prepare for this trip is why. Why go on this journey? Why go on this trip? Why go through the book of Mark? And a friend of mine asked me that this week, and I got to thinking about it, and there's a lot of reasons why. First is is simply this. Mark is all about Jesus. Mark is all about Jesus, and Jesus is the most captivating figure in the history of the world. He, I mean, we date time after Jesus. He's that significant. He has had, had more impact on our world than any other person who has ever lived. And he's worth spending a little bit of time with. He, the scripture says that Jesus, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, in chapter 12 said that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, our faith is found really in him and and, and it, the purest version of our faith is found in who he was and what he said and what he did. And and, and there's another reason. The, the, The more time you spend with him, the more you will fall in love with him, the more you will become like him. You know, they say we become like the five people we spend the most time with. And my encouragement to all of us over this year is that we spend time with Jesus and allow him to shape our lives. Um, Second reason Mark, I think, is a great place to do this is because Mark is written to a culture that was very much like ours. Mark was written to the Roman culture. Now, in their day, there was, you know, in, in, and especially in the Bible, there's, there was Jewish culture in Israel. There was Greek culture, which was across the Roman Empire. But Rome itself, the city of Rome and the surrounding areas, had its own culture. It was kind of like if we went to New York City, New York City kind of has its own culture, right? Uh, and it was kind of like that, maybe even more significant with Rome. And Mark was writing to a Roman audience and their culture parallels ours in so many ways, or ours parallels theirs in so many ways. Uh, where they were in the the arc of their empire, um, the where they were with with religion, with the, the moral decay of their society, um, the uh, they had grown. They they were once a religious people, not Christian, but they were a religious people. But now that was just kind of something that they. Did but they didn't really believe in it. They were more philosophical and atheistic, kind of like our culture is growing. There was a great deal of depression and anxiety in their culture because they didn't even believe in, they didn't believe in God. And uh, and there was just this, this desperateness that that kind of permeated their culture. And in so many other ways, it was very much like our culture. And I think Mark is a great place for where we live today. Third reason is this, Mark's an adventure. I already said this. It moves. Mark is fast moving, action oriented, for type A moving type people. It presents Jesus as the Jesus who gets things done. I mean, he's a getter-done Jesus, uh, and he and the thing about Jesus is he got things done without becoming undone in the process. He he was he was he knew how to manage the work life balance, so to speak. And that that so speaks to where we are as a culture as well. You know, there's a little dialogue in in the book of Mark. There there are 19 miracles and five parables, not a lot of long diatribes and teachings. It's like Jesus did this and Jesus did that. It's fast moving. His favorite word is immediately. (laughs) 36 times in the book. It's immediately Jesus did this, immediately Jesus did that. And it's fast moving and it's going to be a great adventure. Fourth reason is simply this. Mark is a lot like us. He's a lot like you and he's a lot like me and that Mark messed up and God redeemed his life. Can anyone relate? He, uh, Mark was, um, he was, uh, the nephew of a guy named Barnabas, who was one of the leaders in the early church. And he ended up, uh, as a young man out on a missionary journey with Barnabas and, and the apostle Paul and Mark bailed on the, uh, on the, the trip. And Paul was really, really mad to the point that the the next time they went out, Barnabas wanted to bring uh, Mark and Paul was like, absolutely not. That kid's not reliable. No. And it turned into such a heated fight that Barnabas and Paul went their separate ways and Mark ended up going out with Barnabas and it, it 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 was a hot mess. I mean, you just see the humanity in all of that. Well, eventually, Paul and Mark mend things up. And he ends up being Paul's right-hand man towards, towards the end, and God uses him mightily. See, he messed up, but God redeemed him and used him. And here's what I know about every single one of us. We've all messed up. And God wants to redeem your life. He wants to use you in powerful ways. And I think this book and I think this author's perspective will really help communicate that, hopefully to your soul in a way that challenges you to get off the couch and get in the game. Fourth, or the fifth reason is this. Mark has a unique vantage point. He's an interesting guy. He's the first church kid. He was, uh, we find Mark in the Bible first In the garden of gethsemane at about 12 years old the night that jesus was betrayed he 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 most likely was part of the church early early on before that because his mother's house was the center of gathering in jerusalem for the early church so it's very likely that the disciples and jesus hung out in his living room when they went to jerusalem he he was there from the beginning as a young boy watching all the all the fathers of the faith kind of who were just, you know, teenagers or young 20s, and, and Jesus, and he, he saw all that unfold he, um, in his living room. Uh, he, he ends up, um, he ends up uh, becoming a disciple of Peter. Um, in 8, AD, uh 180, Irenaeus uh, said this of, of Mark. Mark, the disciple and interpreter of Peter, handed down in writing the things which his master proclaimed. He, he, was, he was Peter's disciple, and in fact, many scholars believe that Mark uh, or that the book of Mark is really Peter's gospel because he was interpreting the things that, and, and writing down the stories that Peter told about Jesus and, and Jesus's life. Peter said this of Mark. He said, my true son in the faith, he was the nephew of Barnabas, an early church leader, and a traveling companion and partner with the Apostle Paul in ministry. He knew everybody who was everybody. He was in the middle of it. He has a great perspective, and he really gives us Peter's perspective as well. Now, there's a sixth reason I think Mark is the place for us to be this year, and that is, and, and that we should go on this journey, and that is, I think it's time to take a deep biblical dive. I, I really do. Um, we always study the Bible, and we study the Bible in different ways, but every once in a while, it's good to just settle into a book and study for a while and, this, and, and let the Word of God shape us, and that's what it does, right? When we study the Bible, it shapes our worldview. We're transformed by the renewing our, of our mind, as the Apostle Paul said, um, and we, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind as we get God's words and his perspectives into our hearts. Uh, and into our minds. He guides our lives as we do this. He, when we are formed into his image, the word of God truly, truly is alive and active. And it is powerful if you spend some time there. Now, we live and are living through some pretty tumultuous times, are we not? And we need now, probably more than ever, to be tied as closely to Jesus as we can be. And that's why we're studying the book of Mark, because it is the story of Jesus. And we need to be tied to his word and know his word as well. So that's the why we're going on this journey. That's the the big picture, our map. Now, what you need to understand is where Mark fits into the overall story of Jesus and Scripture. And... um, The story of Jesus can actually be found in four books. They're called the Gospels. Gospel means good news. Um, And these four books tell the story of Jesus, all from different perspectives. Uh, They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Now, the Bible is broken down into two sections. That's the Old Testament, which starts at the beginning. In the beginning, it starts, uh, and it goes to about 400 A.D. And it's all about God and the uh, nation of Israel and it's a beautiful story uh, and and it unfolds over that period of time. The New Testament is the second part of the Bible and that takes place from the time that Jesus was born through about 60 AD and that's the the period of time that's covered there. Um, Those four accounts give us the life of Jesus. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels are found at the beginning of the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And these are where we find the stories of Jesus. And the Gospels were written not necessarily as biographies. Each Gospel had a unique audience and a unique purpose. And their writing style in those days was different. Today, we think of a modern biography. We start with they were born, and then we go in chronological order. Well, these stories aren't necessarily in chronological order. It it wasn't the writing style of the day. Um, They would uh, structure the books differently. They have the same stories, but sometimes people will say, well, you know, there are contradictions in the Bible because this happened here in Matthew and there in John and and it's all out of order. It wasn't meant necessarily to be in order. And, you know, you had four different people giving four different angles of the same story. So they're all going to have seen it from a different location. So they've seen different nuances, different things. You know, this past year, the Super Bowl had 145 camera angles, 145 camera angles. Now for our AV team, you know, they're they're like, "How how would you even manage that? But why would they have 145 camera angles? Because you see something slightly different from each angle. Right? And so with Jesus, we have four camera angles Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the book of Matthew was written uh, to a Jewish audience. Matthew was a Jew writing to Jews, trying to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah that they were waiting for. Their prophets of old had spoken for God and from God saying there's going to come a rescuer from heaven who will be from David's family King David he'll be part of his family and he's going to come and he's going to rescue the nation of Israel and restore the kingdom of David and they were waiting for this guy and Jesus was the Messiah so Matthew opens up with a genealogy I mean, if you read the book of Matthew, it starts with, well, David had this kid and this kid and that kid, and it goes down and it ties a line directly to Jesus, and Jesus was born into the family of David, which was necessary for him to be the Messiah. And Matthew refers to the Old Testament about 129 times because he's writing to a Jewish audience that knows the Old Testament. Matthew was not written in chronological order, but had a very specific purpose. Now, I'm gonna skip the book of Mark for now. We're gonna come back around to that at the end. We're gonna go to Luke. Now, Luke was written to Gentiles. Now, a Gentile was a non-Jewish person, and around them, in their area of the world, they were considered, uh, it was a Greek culture or a Greek mindset. Even though it was part of the Roman Empire, it was so heavily influenced by the Greek culture. They were called, scholars call them Hellenistic or a Hellenistic mindset. It just means they, were, they thought like Greek people. They were very rational and philosophical and, and they liked words and those kinds of things. And so Luke was writing to Gentiles and he was a Gentile and he came to faith in, in Christ, and he ends up being welcomed into the, the early church, and he becomes friends with Paul and travels with the Apostle Paul. He writes the book of Luke and he writes the book of Acts. The Acts of are the, the uh, events and, and stories of the early church. And, and Luke is a fascinating guy. He was a medical doctor, he's very detail-oriented. Uh, and he was a phenomenal historian because he was so detail-oriented. And, and part of that was he's, he's Greek, and he's writing to this, this culture. And his point, Luke's point, was that Jesus was a real person. You know, the, the Greeks had this history of, you know, Greek mythology. You guys familiar with Greek mythology? Yeah, they, they had this, um, you know, they had all these gods and, and different things and and they, Luke wanted them to understand that Jesus wasn't just another one of their gods. He wasn't a god that fell from the sky like Thor, right? He's not a Marvel movie character, but he was a real human being. This is why Luke opens up with Jesus's birth. When we celebrate Christmas and read about Jesus's birth, we read Luke chapter 2. Matthew, or Mark doesn't even mention Jesus's birth. But Luke does because he needs his audience to understand that Jesus was a human being, that Jesus had to learn to eat. He had to, to be potty trained. He had to learn to pick up a hammer and build a chair. He didn't fall from the sky with a hammer, right? You know? and, and, and his first chair probably didn't look all that good. He didn't have any special advantages except that he did, was not born with a sin nature like the rest of us. And he had to be one of us because he was going to die for us. So Luke wanted us to understand this is not a, Jesus is not a myth. He was a real person and this is real history and he designs his book that way. Luke says in Luke 1 verse 1, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So he went around and interviewed. He, Luke was not there when Jesus was around, but he went around and interviewed all the apostles and all the people who were, were witnesses to what had happened. And he put together an orderly account. He said, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So he's writing to Theophilus. Theophilus is a Greek name, he's writing to to Gentiles. He says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Jesus was a human being, this is a historical fact and Luke does a phenomenal job of laying that out. Now, there's the book of John. And John was written to Jesus' followers, both Jewish and Gentile. Uh, John kind of begins with the assumption that you know the story and he is trying to build our faith and help us understand that Jesus is God. Now, John was one of Jesus' best friends. He was one of the 12 apostles. Jesus had a bunch of disciples, 12 apostles, which were his inner circle, and then there were three people in his inner, inner circle, and that was, they were James, John, and Peter. And John writes of himself, I'm his favorite. He calls himself the, uh, the one that Jesus loved. And uh, they were very, very close. And John only covers about 30 days of Jesus' life. That's it. He was like, we're going to focus right here because this is what is important. And he starts with the assumption that you know the story. A lot of times people will tell you if you know somebody who is interested in the Bible or interested in Jesus and they don't know where to start in reading in the Bible, tell them not to start in Genesis, start in the book of John. Don't tell them to start in the book of John. <laughs> John was written to people who already have some, some, somewhat of a foundation. Tell them to start in the book of Mark. Mark's a perfect place to start. And that's what we're going to be doing now. Again, why it's such a great series to bring somebody to. John 1, John says this, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. That's his point. In John 20, 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's a faith building, but it was was designed to build faith and communicate that Jesus is God. And that brings us to Mark, Mark. Mark was written to Romans in Rome, the Roman culture. Mark opens up his book this way. He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. And then he immediately goes into talking about John the Baptist. Huh, interesting. But John, or Mark's Gospel opens with Jesus at age 30. There's no mention of Christmas, there's no mention of Jesus growing up. Uh, there's no mention of any of that. He starts with Jesus' baptism. And, um, and his point is, Jesus is the Son of God, because the Romans didn't care about a Jewish Messiah. The Romans weren't familiar with the Jewish Old Testament, so he doesn't refer to it a bunch of times. Matthew refers, has 50 direct quotes from the Old Testament, about 75 direct, or allusions to the Old Testament. The book of Matthew, or I'm sorry, the the book of Mark um, only has 19 references to the Old Testament because Roman people didn't care about the Old Testament. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, so, the Son of God, that connected for Romans. I think that connects in our world as well. In Mark one one, Mark says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. In verse 11, he goes on, he says, and a voice came from heaven, this is after Jesus' baptism, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And, and then in Mark 15.39, it says, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Guys, Mark is the perfect place for us to be this year and on this adventure because of the culture that it was written into, because Jesus is the son of God and I think that connects so well with our culture because it's fast moving and it's an adventure. And my hope for you on this journey is that your faith will grow. And what I mean about faith, faith really is just believing and trusting in him enough to do what he says, even when it doesn't make sense. That's my definition of faith for this, to trust God enough to do what he says, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we know it's not gonna work. But if you say so, Lord, I will. And you know how you get there? You spend time with Jesus. And as you do, your love for him will grow. Your vision of who he is will become more clear. And your faith will become more powerful. And so, next week, the adventure begins. We're going places. We're going to see some things that you've never seen before, even if you've been at this forever. And we're going to answer the question, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus to you? So get your friends, get your journal, let's get ready to go. It's going to be an awesome year. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the reality that it is alive and active and powerful to shape our lives. And I pray God that as we journey with you through this This book that you would transform our lives and you would make us transformative in our our world, Lord, for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.